as the kids are heading back to Cove Kids and um, as we uh, prepare to, to read from God's Word, uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, I want to share with you just um, uh, one, one invitation. Actually, it's, 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 it's a couple, and, uh, and it surrounds around uh, some discernment that, that uh, Pastor Dario and Zach and myself have been doing. Uh, we found, found uh, in one another this deep desire uh, to lead the church as pastors in a season where it was very uh, tempting and would be easy for us to lead the church as project managers. Um, we, we are at the home stretch of moving into uh, a facility that has been dreamed and visioned and, and planned and, and, and constructed. And, and as we enter into this move-in stage, we, we could say uh, project manager, CEO, director, hat on. Uh, but we really want to lean into pastor, uh, uh, shepherd, leading uh, and so uh, next Sunday uh, and leading up to Palm Sunday for the week of preparation before Palm Sunday, uh, Pastor Dario, myself, and Zach are, uh, are going to be doing, uh, uh, taking part in a spiritual fast. Uh, the Bible calls us in seasons of preparation to fast and to seek God's face and to listen to Him. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to do uh, a week-long bread and water daytime fast and uh, we're going to engage in it we also want to invite you to consider that as well and invite you to to uh, walk alongside of us in this fast as a season of preparation for all that God is doing in our midst a bread and water daytime fast then uh, also beginning on Palm Sunday uh, Palm Sunday uh, on until uh, we, right before our Monday Thursday uh, service of worship that will be in the building, the first time we worship together in the building, Monday Thursday, uh, we are inviting the church uh, to read the Word of God aloud in the sanctuary of God in entirety. It takes about 72 hours to read the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. We, I, uh, my phone tells me every week how much time I've wasted on it, does yours do that? Why did they do that to us? It's like, you're up 13% from last week. You suck really bad. Uh, you know, it's awful. Uh, uh, but, but it only takes 72 hours to read the Bible from cover to cover. And some of you say, but I read slow. That's an average sixth grader in public school education in the United States of America. So we should be able to beat that. Uh, we should get some extra readings of the Gospels. But uh, uh, we're going to beginning at 4 o'clock on Palm Sunday afternoon uh, until midnight that night, and then from 6 to midnight each day, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then from 6 in the morning until 6 in the evening on Thursday, we're going to invite you to sign up for an hour to come into the sanctuary of God and read the Bible aloud for an hour so that the Word of God will be proclaimed in its entirety, read aloud in its entirety, before the people of God ever worship in that space. It's a holy thing for us to engage in. So uh, all that information will be coming out for you to sign up for uh, over the course of this week, probably coming to you uh, via email on Wednesday. We'll have more uh, direct opportunity for you uh, next Sunday. 
but I wanted you to know that those are some things that, uh, that we are feeling compelled to lead you in as the pastor team of Covenant. Uh, this morning, our scripture does come to us from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10. Uh, and this, was, this is totally the Holy Spirit at work because this scripture was selected about six months ago, uh, many months before the Grants reached out and asked if they could have uh, William Bryan baptized today. The scripture this morning is Mark 10, beginning in verse 13. Hear the word of the Lord. People, other translations actually say parents, were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly with them. But when Jesus saw them, he was indignant and said to them, his disciples, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Therefore, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And so he took them, the little children, up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do come before you with praise and thanksgiving for your holy word, for the wisdom that is contained therein. We ask, O oh God, that you would meet with us now in this space, in this time. Lord, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your holy will, open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, we ask of God that you would open our hands that we would offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So when I was a pastor in, in, in Bryan College Station, I had a uh, a young lay leader, he was a PhD student, uh, uh, Aaron Smith, his wife Megan Smith, uh, they joined the church and quickly rose into leadership in the church. Incredibly sharp, bright, faithful disciples of Jesus Christ that led in servant ways and then led in, in, in other leading ways throughout the life of the church. Uh, Aaron asked to meet with me one time and, and of course uh, met with him and and uh, we sat down, and, and uh, I, I had no clue what the conversation was about. And he and his wife, uh, uh, Megan, had been talking and wanted to ask me for some wisdom. And so they came to me, and Aaron said, uh, Jason, Megan and I are thinking about having kids. And I was like, wow, let's do it. You know, awesome. I'm looking forward to y'all having kids. I love babies. I got some babies. You can have some babies. We, can have, we, we could have our kids grow up together. We could raise them together. Awesome. Let's do it. And uh, his response was not nearly as enthusiastic as mine. Um, and he said, and we've been talking about it. We've been praying about it. And I've really been seeking God on this. And uh, I don't know if, I, if I'm ready to have kids. I'm like, oh, absolutely. And so then I turn pastor hat, you know, yeah, encouragement, blah, 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 blah. And he shuts me up quickly because I'm going into preacher speak. Uh, and he says, no, like, the world is hard. And I don't know if I'm ready to have kids in this hard world. Like, I, I don't, I, I, how do you, Jason, how do you even raise kids in the world, in the context with all the challenges and all the difficulties today. He, he, said, he said, it's harder today than it was when I was a kid, and, 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 I, and, I, and I have 
prayed prayers of thanksgiving over my parents for all they did in order to raise me uh, up the way they did. I, I just don't know if I'm ready. And, and maybe, you know, I, I'll be honest, Jason, my prayer has been that Jesus would just come back before we have kids because um, uh, I, I don't know if I'm ready to have kids. And sure enough, they, they waited. Uh, Laura and I moved away. And uh, a few years later, by the, the grace and gift of Facebook, I saw that Megan and Aaron had, had, had a baby, and they've had another, and they're raising beautiful and, I'm sure, uh, richly blessed kids because of the kind of home that they're in. But that struggle, that struggle is real, isn't it, parents? We're raising kids in a very difficult time. Very difficult time. Wall Street Journal published that one in three kids under 18 struggle with diagnosable levels of anxiety. One in three kids, anxiety at levels that need, uh, that need counseling or medication. And I think, I think about it and, and wonder, you know, how am I complicit in that? How am I contributing to that? You know, what kind of schedules do I have my kids in? You know, uh, on Mondays they have this, and on Tuesdays they have that, and on Wednesdays, oh, they can breathe for an hour in between this and that, right? Like that's the kind of thing that we do as parents, and it seems like we're always running, and, and we're running them ragged, and, and they have just enough time to breathe before they have to do their homework and before they're getting ready for their tests and their midterms, and, and, and then they're struggling in this class, and so they got to go early for that tutoring and then they got to stay late for that tutoring and 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 it's it's crazy the amount of stress and strain that our kids are going through much of that that we probably as parents put them through it's a hard time to raise kids and a lot of parents don't even realize how hard it is i i i uh there was news earlier this week about a local high school that, that, that had uh, some issues going around uh, where students were sharing uh, nude pictures of one another and, uh, and it made the news and, and I was thinking to myself, oh yeah, like that's, like I already knew that. That wasn't news to me. Like I, I didn't even know why, why, why the, the news channel was running it because, you know, uh, that's just been a part of the culture of our, that our kids are being raised in from fifth, sixth, seventh grade, you don't have to wait till high school. And you didn't have to pick one high school. You could have picked any high school and you didn't have to pick one organization. You could have picked any organization because it's happening, it's rampant, it's, it's everywhere. And I think to myself, wow, what are, we, what are we raising our kids in today? What a huge challenge it is. Over the last uh, decade or so, there's been kind of uh, an expansive vocabulary of naming the types of parenting styles. Have, have you read any of this? Uh, and every, every parent like, is trying to figure out, well, uh, that sounds a little bit like me, or that sounds a little bit my, like me. And sometimes you're like, I don't want to be that. And sometimes you're like, well, I don't want to be that. And, and you don't really know what, what you're supposed to do at all. There's, there's free-range parents. Uh, uh, go, do, get hurt, eat dirt, blah, 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 right? Like all that. Um, I'm probably guilty of being that more often than not. Uh, it's a miracle my kids are alive. 
Uh, and and then, then there's helicopter parents, right? Uh, like, 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 like hovering over, being sure they're cared for, being sure every, everything is watched over, uh, eyes on. Uh, and in the di digital age, that's easier than ever. And maybe sometimes I'm more of that, right? We got Life360. I can tell you where my kids are at any point in time. Not only where they are, by the way, Life360, I'm a huge promoter of it. So Life360, uh, they, ha they could have it on their phone. I could tell you how fast they were driving on the way to school, what their top speed was, what their minimum speed was, what their average speed was. Like, uh, so my, my, my daughter can't drive yet, but if her friend that's driving her uh, is, is speeding, I know, right? Like, and, and, uh, and if she says, I'm at a friend's house, Life360, nope, grounded, right? Like that's... Uh, <laughs> So, helicopter parent, right? Well, August 30th of last year, there was an article that came out in weareteachers.com uh, blog, and it was a new name for a new type of parent, and I think that's, you know, really bogus because it's the same type of parent, we're just adding names, right? We're going to get all these names, and so then, uh, I don't know if you read, then like follow-up from We Are Teachers, U.S. News picked it up, and it's called The Lawnmower Parent. Right? Have you, have you heard of this one? The lawnmower parent. So it, I had never heard the name. August 30th it came out. It, it, it's a lawnmower. It's cutting down every obstacle that stands in the way of your child. Like we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to mow it over so that your child doesn't have to face challenge, struggle, trial, failure. We're going we're gonna to tear it down. Oh, they're running into a wall. I'm going to knock it down for them. I'm not going to let them knock it down. Right? And, and, and they... They identified some anecdotal stories. Uh, there, was, there was one story about mom calls uh, teacher, uh, my son needs an extension on his writing assignment because of blah, 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 blah. Teacher's like, why didn't Josh just ask me? You know, I've told all the students they could ask me. And, and, uh, and mom says, well, I typically just handle these things for Josh. You're in high school. Talk to your teacher, right? Uh, but but that, that's, that's this, this new diagnosable caricature of parents. And, and if we're honest, all of us have a little bit of that, right? Like your kid falls, you want to pick them up. Like you, you, your, your kid getting ready to fail, you, you want to knock that next op obstacle down so they can break that next barrier. But I, I, I think lawnmower really missed the mark. And we didn't realize it culturally until uh, spring break. You, you read the news that came out over spring break, right? Parents paying thousands upon thousands of dollars to get their kids into different universities, scholarships to different athletic programs, paying to get their kids certain grades on SATs or ACTs, right? So here's how it works, right? I pay you, you hook me up with an admission counselor that tells me what my kid needs in order to get into their university and the kid, and then they say, oh, you need this grade on the, on the ACT. And so then I pay this person uh, to, to go take the test for my kids so that that ACT score goes for my kid. Seriously? And it was this huge like, like pay to play ring that, that, that incriminated admission counselors and athletic directors and, 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 and test administrators and, and, and all funneling around and money changing hands. You know, that's not, that's not lawnmower, that's bulldozer. We need a new, that's bulldozer parenting. Like, like I'm, not even gonna, I'm not even gonna let them attempt to fail, right? Like they don't even have a chance to test because I'm going to have someone test for them so that I can name exactly what I want for my kids. 
It's a tough time to parent. It's a tough time to parent. And they, they have this quote. It says, raising children who uh, have experiment, experienced minimal struggle, uh, that creates not a happier generation of kids, but we're creating a generation that has no idea what to do when they actually encounter struggle. A generation who panics or shuts down at the mere idea of failure. A generation for whom failure is far too painful, leaving them with coping mechanisms like addiction, blame, internalization, the list goes on. It's a hard time to parent. But as I was reading about lawnmower parents and, and what I'll, I'll add the name bulldozer parents, uh, I actually, I, I think it's, it's come into our church culture, like into the church. I remember uh, th- there were some seasons when Lauren and I were, were visiting other churches to just see what other churches were doing. And it was when Addie and Aiden were young. They were, uh, they, they were in preschool, elementary age, uh, uh, early elementary years. And uh, so we would, we would take them. We would drop them off at the children's area. We would go to worship. We would come pick them up from the children's area. And then we were ready to find out, what did they do in the children's area? What was it like? And it's like, well, I played Xbox. Okay, what else do you do? Uh, they had a bouncy house, and I went through the bouncy house. Oh, oh, really? Jesus? Anywhere? Was there any Jesus? Did, did y'all talk about Jesus? No, I played Xbox and was in the bouncy house. And I was like, oh, oh. So, so what, what happened was, it was like the children were a distraction and a, and a detraction from my capacity to worship. So I just entertained them so that I could focus on worship. And, and more and more churches, this has become the culture. And I... I, I uh, I understand why that was happening, but Lauren and I really rebelled against that, and we, and we turned away from that. Whenever we were planting covenant, we said, we, we want the kids in worship. And sometimes, yes, they are going to be a distraction. And sometimes they are going to detract from our capacity to focus on what we're doing in worship. But they need to be a part of the body of Christ. They need to experience what it's like to worship with, with many generations of folks, folk kids their age and folks their grandparents' age and everything in between so that whenever they all come together, uh, they're going to be able to grow in the faith, that they're going to hear the word of God sung, they're going to hear it spoken, and sure, they're going to they're go, but they're going to learn about Jesus back there, and they're going to come back in here, and they're going to be able to, to grow alongside of us. And so that was a part of what we did from the very beginning. The intergenerational worship was a part of who we were and what we were going to do. But I think maybe in a, a danger that this this model of parenting, lawnmower, bulldozer, that sort of thing, has that's unspoken is it, it really has the, the ability, the propensity to place parents as idols. Like that, that I as a parent become God instead of God for my kids. It's a new form of idolatry. And maybe it's really not that new. Maybe it's as old as time. Maybe we just didn't even have a name for it. But, but, but it, if, if when they struggle, they look to me and never learn to look to Jesus, then what, are, what, are, what have we created? Because Jesus is very clear all across the scriptures that we're gonna struggle. That struggle and pain and loss and failure and frustration, it's all a part of life. Have any of you experienced it? Uh-huh, all of us, everyone. Not a person is exempt from it. In fact, Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes uh, what this looks like. I'm going to 
hopefully get it on the screen. There it is. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm confident, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. I like that word because that can apply to all sorts of mess that y'all got to deal with and I got to deal with calamities, right? For the sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. In our weakness, Christ is strong. But we're going to make our weaknesses all go away so that we never get to experience the strength of Jesus Christ. What a danger. In Romans 5, it's described this way. Uh, the, the, the struggle isn't bad, it's actually good. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. A direct link from all those calamities to hope, all held in balance for each and every one of us, but maybe especially for, from the scripture today for our kids as well. There's a reason why I pray at every baptism for every child. Give them enough tears to make them tender, enough hurts to make them humane, enough failures to know that all their successes come from you. Because it's in our weaknesses that the strength of Christ is able to be manifest and real in our lives. So the, the disciples had this circumstance. Sometimes the disciples moved from the position of, 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 of student to the position of bodyguard with Jesus. I don't know if Jesus ever assigned them that task of bodyguard, but they took it upon themselves and said, okay, I'm going to be bodyguard now. And so Jesus had all these people around him, all these people around him. And, and then, do you know what happened? This weird thing happened. Parents of kids were bringing their kids to Jesus. And, and the disciples were like, man, he ain't got time for kids. Kids cry, they whine, they spit, they poop. They do all sorts of messy stuff, right? They got all sorts of mess. Jesus doesn't need mess. He might get sick. If he's around too many kids, he might get sick because kids get each other sick. That's what kids do. And so, and so uh, he doesn't have time for that. And they're pushing him away. And then Jesus gets mad at him. He rebukes him. He says, no, no, no. The little ones, for them, they're a part of the kingdom of God. And even, even like, like it's for those like them that become a part of the kingdom of God. It's for those that, that, that experience the world, that experience vulnerability, that experience pain, that, that have no status, no power, nothing to offer. They receive grace. They receive the kingdom. It's not about the merits. It's not about the, what they've done. It's not about what they've accomplished. It's in their weakness, in their vulnerability, that they are able to come to the Father, that they have the kingdom of God. They're not freeloaders. They're creative, they're curious, they don't judge, they live in the present moment. They don't even know what to ask for, but when they ask, they ask in that sort of innocent peace. You see, maybe a, a different form of parenting is what we need. Maybe it's 
doesn't even need uh, a, a descriptor. Maybe it doesn't need a name. Maybe, maybe we can uh, throw free range and helicopter and lawnmower and bulldozer and we can just set them all aside. Maybe, maybe, maybe what we need is we need this uh, Mark chapter 10 kind of parenting. And the parents brought their, til- brought their children to Jesus. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's as simple as the parents brought their children to Jesus because we have great confidence and know with full assurance that Jesus, when we bring them, welcomes them into his arms, lays his hands of healing and mercy on them and offers each and every child of God grace upon grace upon grace so that in their weakness, in our weakness, we have hope and we're made strong. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we do come before you and praise you uh, for the gift of this lesson that, that when we bring children to you, uh, you reveal yourself to us, your grace and your love, your hope, and you open your arms of mercy to us and you, and you, and you, and you reveal uh, how big and how wide and how open is your holy kingdom. Lord, help us to join in that holy space, Lord, that we might be per- participants and partakers of your heavenly banquet in the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray, O oh, oh God, that we would see that kingdom all around us, that it would move in our midst, that it would have power and might, and that we would see you clearly and know you as our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have welcomed welcomed the children in and that you invite us to do the same. Lord, as we continue in worship and enter into this time of holy offering, we ask, O God, that you would bless this time, this space, that you you would make yourself known in what's taking place. Lord, that as the gifts and the giver uh, offer the gifts and as the gifts go out into the world to bless the world, we ask, O God, that you would bless that you would sustain, that you would multiply, that you would bear fruit through all that takes place in this moment and this time. We pray it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Would the ushers come forward for this morning's offering?